You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Hey there, Timory here. I have a unique episode lined up for you. My incredible sound engineer, Jim Governale, Jimmy G as we know him here in studio, is with me. And we're actually going to do a getting to know you episode. So for those who do not know Jimmy G, you can find more about him at radiotrending.com. But he is a long-term radio veteran and he has been working in Southern California with incredible names in radio. We've seen him working with Dennis Prager. You've worked with a number of other people. Just name a couple. Well, gosh, back in the day, I used, I didn't work with him, but uh, Ben Shapiro worked at the same studio as I did. Um, uh, Ted Ziegenbush, who's very well known here in Southern California. But yeah, Dennis Prager, because I worked for kind of a conglomerate group called Salem Media in Glendale. So there are a lot of interesting folks kind of coming in and out of the building. And you were on air with KKLA for years. KKLA, the Christian local talk station in Southern California. I was the morning host there for, yeah, about two decades where I would introduce Programs like Focus on the Family and uh, Greg Laurie, A New Beginning, you know, just uh, a a lot of popular programs in in the Christian ilk. I love it because you are now doing incredible work mentoring the various Catholic radio shows coming out of here in the Diocese of Orange. And you have so much experience that it's been awesome to work with you these last couple of years. Well, thank you. Likewise, Timory. You know, I it really is a blessing for me to work here because for so many years, having worked in a secular radio and I guess you could say Protestant Christian radio, I was kind of the closet Catholic, you know, <laughs> at a lot of these places. And and I think for the longest time I had the desire to work for the church or to work in Catholic media. And so uh, I really feel like I've I've hit that sweet spot in my career all these years later. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a blessing. It's a word of patience to people who are wanting to make a change one day that it will happen if you pray for our Lord and do do service in the meantime, you'll get to where you want to go. Yeah, well, one can certainly only hope, but yeah, never, never give up and never, never cease praying about it. Well, I want to go ahead and dive in here. You have a bunch of questions I know you're going to throw my way. We're going to be diving into various things such as how I got involved in pro-life work, uh, some of the pro-life, pro-abortion arguments, and much more. So I'm going to pass the hand over to you, and we'll get started. Turning the tables on you here. Yeah, and and I know that um, I can only imagine there's a, a lot of folks who hear your voice on the air, and they, and they would like to get to know more about you. So let's uh, turn the clock back here. I know you've talked about this a number of times about how when you were were very young that uh, you were involved in pro-life work from a very young age, I I guess largely because of your your mom's influence. So take us back here. How did you get involved in pro-life work? Yeah, you know, my first pro-life experience was my parents helped to open up a maternity home where we grew up. It was called Veronica's Home. And at one point in the process, I was just an only child at the time. Uh, The people who were supposed to run the maternity home weren't able to run it after all the couple. And so my parents literally packed up the house and me and they moved in and for a period of time ran that maternity home and it was incredible because it was my first experience to really see well as a child these are women in need 
And these are babies who wouldn't be here if their moms couldn't live here. And so that was the perspective I had. And, you know, at a young age, I saw or I shouldn't say I saw, but I understood, you know, there are some people who had come from the Mexican uh, drug cartel who mm. were there seeking asylum, really. Um, women who were had had past of abuse in their home. Uh, some women who were very young when they became pregnant. And you see these real stories come to life. And so from the beginning, I think the topic of abortion really had to do with a woman and a baby. And I never could really understand why people criticize the pro-life movement too much for only being focused on the baby when, in fact, the work of crisis pregnancy centers across this nation uh, really do care for the mother and the child. Well, that really speaks to the conviction. You know, when I hear you talk about that from when you were very young, speaks to the incredible conviction that your your folks had. I mean, did they come from that very strong place of faith? Yes, my mom had incredible faith growing up. I remember she said when she was younger, so it would have been as she was going through high school, heading into the 70s and 80s, uh, when they still had the nuns, especially when she was younger in grade school, when they say the Pledge of Allegiance, they'd also include, you know, words for the unborn there hmm. as well. And so her pro-life perspective started when she was just a little girl in grade school. And I have seen her over the years do incredible work from opening that maternity home, working for the Diocese of San Bernardino and their pro-life office and media campaigns. It's really through her work I saw that the pro-life work is multifaceted. We need people on the grounds doing the grassroots work, praying from the abortion clinic, sidewalk counseling. I saw that actually speaking up and advocating for legislation could have an incredible impact. I mean, I remember getting to go as a little girl, uh, just about 12, 13 years old, to our state capitol and at times our nation's capital to be an advocate for pro-life legislation and other important moral issues where whether it was a senator, the assemblywoman or assemblyman, uh, take a change of heart on bills that they would be voting on mm. that would ultimately not pass at times and would save and change lives because of it. Mm. Amazing. Well, you're listening to a very special edition of uh, Trending with Timory. I'm uh, Mr. Producer Soundman, uh, Jimmy G. Here to interview. I'm turning the table on Timory here interviewing uh, you. Now, Timory, recently you were a part of a very special YouTube video that has really gone viral where you were kind of teamed up with a couple of other pro-lifers, three of you and then three uh, so-called uh, pro-choicers, and you were just kind of uh, talking out the whole abortion debate. You're a millennial, yet you've grown up in the pro-life ministry. You've really seen different sort of debates on the streets change over the years. How have you seen those things change? You know, it's interesting because I think I probably got involved on the street debate. I mean, actual pro-life activism, literally on the streets, uh, close to 15 years ago now. And with that, I feel like the debate at the time, people were less open to having a conversation. They were either mm. pro-life, pro-abortion, or in the middle. And so if you had someone on the opposite spectrum, they were going to throw things such as overpopulation at you, and you were going to dance circles around each other in the debate. Mm. Uh, and so my goal at the time was always to kind of go for people who are kind of curious, not really sure, and kind of break through their arguments or what they thought they had thought about abortion, being pro-abortion, but they really weren't pro-abortion. Versus today, I find that even people who... I think are in the middle ground there on the topic of abortion, 
they're more willing to listen, or I shouldn't even say mm. listen, but have a dialogue, whether it's because they themselves have a heated, passionate perspective, or whether it's because they're not so sure with all of the you know information that's come out with undercover operations, whether it's David Delighton or live action, uh, really showing the work that takes place in Planned Parenthood. I think public opinion uh, has really been brought into question with regard to abortion. Exactly. And my thinking is that technology is definitely on the side of, of pro-life, especially when it comes to ultrasounds. You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting because if a woman, we saw this in the crisis pregnancy centers, if a woman sees that ultrasound image, she is 70%, at least 70% more likely to keep that baby if she just sees an ultrasound. But when you talk about technologies, Jimmy G, I mean, what's fascinating to me as well is that the technology of things such as Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, you know, live action through Lila Rose mm. is the largest online pro-life presence out there. And they're reaching so many people. And it's interesting because YouTube and Twitter and Facebook have all been targeting Lila Rose's content that have past abortionists talking about abortion procedures, talking about the impact of the pill, whatever it might be. They're trying to silence her because she's mm. been so effective. Right. Exactly. Well, from the standpoint of if, if I had a nickel for every time I heard, quote, I'm personally against abortion, <laughs> but I would never tell another woman what to do with her body. Oh, gosh. I mean, how do you respond to that? This is a great topic that everyone says. I mean, we hear even some politicians, even some Catholic politicians who claim that they're pro-life. They say these same exact things. And we have to start by saying, OK, it's not her body. If it was her body, why is it that she could have a completely different sex? Why is it that she could even the baby could even have a different blood type? Why is it the baby could have, you know, ears and then she has ears? You know, if it were her body, she'd be a mutant. She'd have, you know, four ears, two noses and might even be confused and be both male and female at the same time. I think that's one exception we might be able to make for that transgender debate for a moment. Um, I jest there, but we have to begin, like I said, by separating out that the baby is separate from the woman's body. But I think the benefit is if we shift the conversation for a moment and focus on how women, when we say it's my body, you know, my choice, a woman shouldn't have to have an abortion because it's her body. Well, women are actually being pressured into having abortions. Mm. And so when you say a woman should be pressured to keep her baby, well, legalized abortion has led for women to be pressured into having abortions, whether it's a teenager whose parent is in favor of having an abortion. Right. I, I have a friend I'll never forget. I was about 13 years old when I met her and she was around 15 or 16 and she was ardently pro-life, but that was a year or two after uh, her parents, um, her father and her stepmother, literally drug her into the abortion mm. clinic and helped hold her down on the table while she had an abortion. Mm. And this is what legal abortion has done to teenagers. Uh, in fact, through the legalization of abortion, we've seen that it's separated parent and child where a child has an absolute right to an abortion and parents don't even know. And so really we've created a form of slavery, whether it's the emotionally vulnerable or the poor who are being pressured and targeted to have abortions today. Wow, that is such a crazy, sad story. And we, we talk so much about um, how we need to pray for women uh, to maybe change their minds if they're abortion minded, but for women who've just gone through such horrific 
situations like the the one you just uh, talked about. Yeah, and we need to be willing to listen. You know, it's easy to be pro-life, but sometimes it's hard to be willing to listen that there's a reason why people become pro-abortion. And there's a lot more behind it than just saying I'm in favor of abortion. There are a lot of wounds there. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Timory here, my sound engineer and just the mentor behind Trending with Timory, Jimmy G, Jim Governale is here and we're switching the table here. He's actually interviewing me and we're talking about pro-life arguments and we're talking about what got me involved in the work that I'm doing today. And those little bumpers that you hear, uh, that, that was, uh, I, I really have to refresh them, those things. Now there's, they're getting kind of stale, so. We're ready for some new ones here. That's me saying trending with Timory. You've got yeah. that good radio voice. There you go. <laughs> All right. Getting back to our uh, little getting to know you episode here. And I, I, I would like to think that our listeners are enjoying this because really getting a chance to hear about your background, Timory, and uh, where you come from and what really drives you, where, where your passions are. Let's uh, jump into this one. Why is it that you focus on the woman when you respond to pro-abortion arguments? Boy, that's a good one. That's a great question. You know, it's interesting because I even see a lot of people who are in the pro-life movement hate that we have to focus the shift of the conversation away from the child because a lot of people say we need to talk about both the woman and the child. I actually agree, but we have to think about it from the perspective of where is my, you could call them opponent, whatever you want to, or the friend, maybe even family member is a reality. They're not really your opponent. There's someone that we're trying to win over to think like we do and to be pro-life. And so I often shift the conversation quickly to the woman and here's why. I don't, I focus on people. I don't focus on, you know, people try to eliminate the unborn child to not being a person. If we focus on the woman, we show, no, we care about people and in humanizing the woman who's pregnant at the same time, we need to elevate and humanize the baby. But by starting with that woman and of course saying the necessary things, depending on what the argument is about the child, we really humanize the conversation. We're focused, we're talking about people, not just hypothetical individuals created in the brain, both the woman and the child as a person. Exactly. And I can only imagine that no matter who you're encountering, whether it's somebody at the grocery store line or if you're out picketing on the street and someone drives by and maybe shouts something at you. I mean, we're, you're talking about entirely different people who will um, will have a different approach and they're unique individuals. Absolutely. And I mean, I mean, we saw the rise of the Women's March a few years ago and we saw the whole conversation needed to be focused on the woman. Well, here's the reality. I'm willing to take that bait. I'm even willing to say I'm a feminist, much to my hus- husband's chagrin because he cringes at that term. And I know a lot of people do anymore. But to be a feminist is to be pro-woman. You know, I use that a little less nowadays. But if we're able to see in conversation that we have a common ground with someone that, yeah, I'm a feminist, too, because I believe in women's rights beginning in the womb, that kind of makes them begin to question, well, what do I think? What does it mean to be a feminist? And we can focus on the baby as well. But here's the deal to talk about the baby the unborn baby as a human person is easy 
it's easy to say the baby has a heartbeat. It's easy to say all of these things Mm -hmm. and we can repeat them ad nauseum. And with some people we need to, but we also need to help people see that that baby who's easy to talk about because we know as a human person, we need to help the woman to see that. And so sometimes that means that we need to talk to her where she's at and help her to see that she's important too. Mm, Exactly. Well, you know, it kind of makes me think of one of my favorite sort of comebacks. It makes perfect sense to me is equal rights for unborn women, Mm, you know? mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, they kind of step back and they might go, okay, that's, that's cute. But what sort of point are you making? Or are you, you're just trying to give me a brain freeze or something? I don't know. Yeah. You know what? I think a really good point there though, is with people who really are super pro-feminist, maybe pro-abortion, pro-contraception, whatever. One of the ways I try to bring them into the conversation is let's say, okay, we agree that we need to talk about rights for women more. Mm-hmm. Talk about living women, women who are in China being forced to have abortions, mm-hmm. being forced to be sterilized. That has the highest suicide rate for women. It's the only place in the world where more women than men commit suicide, 500 women per day. Or talk about India where they're being forced to only have baby boys and there's a preferential treatment for girls. If you can get your opponent who's pro-abortion to agree that this is an injustice, you're then going to be able to talk about what type of an injustice the abortion act itself does to the woman's body. You're going to be able to talk about the post-abortion syndrome for women who experience forced abortion, once they can get there and all they're green on is that women shouldn't be forced to have abortions, Mm -hmm. you just push the ball a little further down the road and helping them to see why abortion overall is wrong. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't win the debate that day, it's not about winning a debate. It's about winning a person, helping them to see where we need to be. Well, Timory, with all your uh, varied years and experience in, in this pro-life movement, I am certain that you have uh, many, many stories of babies whose lives have been saved and women who uh, have been able to move on with their lives. So why not share some of these stories? Yeah, you know, there's so many stories that we could focus on, but one of them that I want to turn to is important to me because all of us can do this. We just need to listen. I'll never forget about... Seven years or so ago, I started seeing a new hairstylist. And as I'm sitting there in the chair, I'm talking to the woman and, you know, we're chit-chatting a little bit, getting to know each other. And it comes up a little bit of what I do. And at the time, I was working for a crisis pregnancy center. Mm. And so I very gently refer to the work of a crisis pregnancy center because the reality is I just want them to ask to learn more. I don't want them to just hear, oh, yeah, we're anti-abortion and that's all we are. No, we actually help women who are... Uh, facing a pregnancy and they're scared and they don't know what to do. Mm. And so she kept asking questions as I was alluding. And I'm kind of trying to hold back because I'm thinking this is my first time getting my hair cut by this person. And she keeps picking and picking. I'm thinking, okay, either she is really curious and doesn't know anything about this or she really, you know, uh, disagrees with me and she's like going to cut my hair super short. And I don't know. And she's holding sharp <laughs> items too. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally at her mercy here. Same things happened with my, um, a dentist assistant who cleans my teeth. I don't know how she expects me to talk to her and about abortion at the same time. She's got sharp instruments in my mouth. Um, but it was interesting. Long story short, the haircut ends and she's been plying me with questions. In my mind, I'm thinking, shut up, Tim Reed. Just let these little seeds plant and don't go further. I like her. I want to come back to her. And so sure enough, we finish and she looks at me after and she kind of like is acting a little awkward and points to the door. And I 
thinking, oh, great. She wants to talk outside. I'm thinking, okay, it looks like a safe area. People are outside. I'm assessing a situation. So I walk outside with her and, and I just look at her waiting here. And she said, my daughter just told me last week she's pregnant. Wow. Uh, her daughter was a teenager, I think maybe barely out of high school. And she was considering an abortion. And I can tell you within that week, she was in our crisis pregnancy center where I worked and meeting with our counselors. And by the end of the week, she had already been talking uh, to the head of the adoption agency. She ended up placing her baby girl mm. for an open adoption. And it was incredible because she's been my hairstylist. I'll check in, get to talk to her every now and again. Um, just ask how the baby's doing. That It's an open adoption. And so the baby knows that her birth mother is just a really close family friend when she sees her. And it was fascinating because I was at the Walk for Life uh, here in San Diego a couple years ago and the adoption agency brought up some couples who had chosen life for their baby and I hadn't seen the baby ever nor her mm. and I'm I'm seeing the event and I'm looking at this girl on stage as she's sharing her testimony and as she had walked up her up the stairs with the head of the adoption agency she's staring at me and I'm thinking I know her and we're staring at each other and she comes off of that stage and I said I think I know you. What's your name? She shares with me her name. And I go, wow. I said, and she didn't fully know my involvement in the whole thing. I said, wow, I know your mom. She's my hairstylist. And I, for the first time, about five years later, got to look at that baby girl that was there with her birth parents and with her parents who had adopted her. That is really amazing. You talk about a God moment, a divine appointment. Oh, it was incredible. It was such a gift to see that. And I shared that story because this was just me talking to my hairstylist about random things that come up. I mean, we are able to talk about abortion and intervene in conversations if we are aware if we're available and if we're listening. And I think this is a virtue of Catholicism. Our faith and our prayer life calls us into a level of silence. And that silence allows us to be open to other people. And we need to be more silent and more aware and open to those people if we're going to be able to intervene in small ways. Well, I've been in radio long enough to know that uh, it's stories like that are that are just absolutely compelling and it's stories like that that make people late for work because they're sitting in their car listening to the podcast or the, or the radio show, and they got to hear the end of it. I know our segment is winding down here. Do you have time for another quick story? Yeah, another interesting story I'll never forget. Um, I had the opportunity to work with uh, the abortion pill reversal uh, campaign when it was first getting started. That's the RU46 abortion pill reversal. If a woman starts a chemical abortion, also known as mifepristone, um, and she has only taken the first set of pills, mm. Uh, a doctor can intervene with treatment of progesterone. If you head to abortionpillreversal.com, you can find out more. Um, but Dr. George Delgado headed that up. And I remember as that was coming out as a pioneering um, a type of thing that could be done to save a life, I had written some blogs on it. And I was coming out of a dance class one day. And as I was coming out, I saw I had a bunch of notifications from my blog. I open up the blog, I check it out. And this woman had just taken the RU46 abortion pill and she was looking for help to get in in contact with that network to help save her baby's life. I share this story because unfortunately a lot of circumstances went into this with the boyfriend pressuring her to have an abortion, which I might add, he was Catholic. She uh, ended up losing the baby and here's why she started receiving the proper treatment to save the baby's life, but her blood clotting was so bad. She did end up in the emergency room when she was in the emergency room. The medical doctors told her that if she didn't take the second set of RU 46 abortion pills, that her baby would be born deformed 
That is not true. And I share this story because this woman has to live with the consequence of mm -hmm. abortion. And yet we've seen hundreds of babies born through the RU486 abortion network whose lives were saved. Mother's lives are joyfully being lived out and those babies have no deformities. I share this story because although it's hard to hear, that woman I will never forget. I was able to develop a relationship with her and I truly believe she will never have another abortion. She was able to come around to the pro-life perspective and that will save lives down the road. Mm. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Jimmy G, my sound engineer is on the other side. He produces our radio sheer, sheer, <laughs> our radio show of trending. The big radio shoe. <laughs> oh gosh. And he always helps me feel better when I misspeak. Like I think last week on the show, I said biopsy instead of autopsy. We, we are human. You know, people like hearing that too. When they hear a human being, you're not perfect. And every, if everything sounded perfect, I think it would go in one ear and out the other. So. Touche. God calls the week. <laughs> You guys remember that. <laughs> All right. Well, we're continuing our program. It's kind of a, a getting to know you for, for Timory, which I think is a, is a great idea. So I salute you for coming up with this one. Here is another tough one. And it, it's one thing I, I've always appreciated about you, Timory. I mean, you take those tough questions and you're able to kind of get under the skin a little bit and dive in questions that maybe the average Joe or Jane, you know, doesn't really want to tackle. So Here's this next one. What do you say to a friend? A friend comes up to you in confidence and they're, and they're saying that they're considering having an abortion. What do you say in those situations? I want anyone who's listening, you need to know that the answer is easy but you're going to feel uncomfortable in the midst of this. If whether someone might be pregnant or is already pregnant and abortion-minded or knows someone who's pregnant, here's the first thing you need to do. You need to check to make sure she's healthy by saying, hey, let's check to make sure you're healthy. You just bought yourself time. You delayed that abortion because you're going to have the goal of getting her in for an ultrasound. Now, that's easy. You can tell a friend, I do want to make sure you're healthy. I, and you can even say if she's open to it, we want to also make sure that the baby's healthy. And so we need to get her in for that ultrasound, you know, validate the pregnancy, see that she is indeed pregnant because sometimes, you know, a basic pregnancy test at home isn't always positive or, or I shouldn't say positive, isn't always accurate. And so you want to get that really good ultrasound in, really making sure that she is indeed pregnant. Uh, and then from there, you've bought yourself time. But here's the difficult part. You want to try and get her to see a pro-life doctor. And so this is where you don't necessarily need to have a crisis pregnancy center talking to her. You can call the crisis pregnancy center and say, hey, can you help me find the local pro-life doctors? Um, Options United and a number of other incredible resources are online. You can share with them your location, where you're at. You might even, hopefully you already know where your crisis pregnancy center is in the area. There are awesome resources and the crisis pregnancy centers need you to intervene in these situations. From there, you want to make sure that you're affirming the woman who's pregnant, friend, family member, even stranger. I've been in the bathroom at Chipotle and heard a 13 year old girl share that she's pregnant. And oh my goodness. Jim, it's crazy because in those moments you go, okay, Lord, this is a total stranger. I don't know if I'll see her again. What can I say? And so I listen, listen, and she's scared because she's scared to tell her parents. And so just seeing in the crisis pregnancy center, we'd have girls who were teenagers who were pregnant and they 
had the biggest obstacle in their life, not of the baby, but of confronting their parents to share that information. Who they have not shared it with yet. They're mortified. They're mortified. They'd almost rather have the abortion. And you have to remember, a teenager's not fully fathoming necessarily what that abortion is, too. There's a maturity there that, for many, they can't piece that together quite yet, the full impact, and they will carry that later, later on in their life. And so I remember, you know, in those situations, you just need to say, okay, you know, your parents are going to react. They might be angry. Man, think about, you know, getting into a car accident and wrecking their car. Likelihood is a parent might be angry, but they're going to simmer down. That's a, and you have to recognize their response. You know, you did something that is shocking. And so expect a little bit of a response. But from there, you also might say, well, they might be fear for their life. They might be really nervous. So maybe you recommend, well, do you have a friend who can tell your parents with you? Mm. Would you like us to tell them? Would you like to go into the crisis pregnancy center and you can tell your parents and the counselor will just sit there with you? Mm. Uh, if people think that their parents are maybe pro-abortion, abortion-minded, it might put pressure in that direction. You can come in again with that friend or with that strong voice right away telling them, like, here's my solution. Here's where I'm going. Uh, but again, check her health. Help her to get the ultrasound. Contact the Crisis Pregnancy Center for resources. You don't necessarily have to take her there unless you need the reinforcement. Affirm her. Talk about her baby. And really affirming her will help empower her to know, I can do this. It's going to be difficult, but I can. And then from there, whether it's through you, friends, or a crisis pregnancy center, helping to get the financial, emotional, children's classes, whatever she might need for resources, they're out there and available. And one perspective that I have, you know, just looking at it from a spiritual point of view, if you have a friend or a, a coworker, someone that you know who's approaching you to share that information with you. I mean, to me, that that is a Holy Spirit moment in, in itself. And you're talking about, you know, you're in the bathroom at Chipotle and you actually overhear a young woman say what she said about being pregnant. As far as I'm concerned, as you well know, that, that, that again is a divine appointment, no matter what happens in that situation. Just the fact that you are there to hear that, to take in that information, and to be a sounding board for that person. Yeah, no, I think that this is where our faith comes in. Our Lord is placing people in our lives and us in people's lives for a reason. And I really think that this stems from kind of trying to observe that silencing being open. You know, I joke on the show all the time. I, I'll share stories on the show because I've eavesdropped on conversations. And, uh, you know, some of the things I've heard and uh, had the opportunity to break into the conversations of, and even sometimes where I failed to intervene and participate in the conversation because something terrible was happening. Mm. Um, I think we've all been there at times. You know, sometimes we think of it more so as what we see. But right now, I think in the United States, and a lot of the Western world, we're in a debate of words right now. And so if we can listen and even if we don't have, you know, a comment, but maybe just ask a question. Well, what makes you think that that is OK? Or why are you afraid of telling your parents? Or why are you afraid of having that baby? Sometimes the question alone will open the door for that woman to start talking and you can hear where she's coming from. And often she can work out the problem on her own just by you being there listening to her. Well, and Timory, I can tell you this too, you know, having known you for what, maybe three years now or so, based on the experience that you've had, you know, be, being outside abortion clinics and stuff, I, I can strongly sense that you de- you've been able to develop a really thick skin over the years because I can only imagine some of the things that you've heard, some of the things that have been shouted at you. 
some of the the vitriol that's been you know spit out at you <laughs> i hope to god i've developed a thick skin i still think i'm somewhat sensitive I and mean, still those negative reviews i joke on uh, itunes over the podcast no. <laughs> you can still get you you can go leave a, leave a good review um i've learned not to pay attention to them but here's something i post on social media the other day i can't remember what it was oh i think it was um Lila Rose and her pro-life videos online are being targeted and prevented from showing up on people's news feed on social media. And I posted something along the lines of talking about this will always happen if we're following a Christian lifestyle. Mm. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. They, per they persecuted the prophets before me. Praise God that we are able to grow a thick skin by the grace of the Holy Spirit and stand up for truth. And if you're afraid, so am I. But courage, right? The virtue, the gift of courage is not that the fear goes away. It's acting in the face of it still. Okay, here's another one for you. How do you respond to this one? Someone who will say, I support women who want to have babies to have them. But if they don't want to, I support them going through with an abortion. How do you respond to that? Oh, so many people. So they're like, I'm pro-life, but I'm also okay with abortion. And notice how people essentially make this claim that like, yes, I'm pro-life, but I'm okay with this. It's very permissive. Anything goes. And if you think that you know that a majority of people today are pro-life, the reality is, is that this is where most people waver. They're pro-life to a point until they hear a challenging circumstance and then suddenly they're okay with abortion. It's moral relativism that reigns in our time. And so that's just, it's important to understand where people are coming from. And so you need to ask questions that are going to make those people think. And so I always start with saying, okay, so only babies who are planned should live because that's mm. what you're saying. Mm. And right away, they're going to object to that. But I said, no, and I'll say it again. So you're telling me that only if a baby is wanted, she should survive. They're actually going to have to agree with you in some way. So then you say, okay, so if a baby, what's the difference then? If a baby's unwanted, it should die and receive a death sentence. If a baby's wanted, it should be celebrated, have, you know, whatever they call a gender reveal party. I hate a sex reveal party. I'd rather call them that. They should have a baby shower. They should be celebrated. But if it's not wanted, we should give that death sentence. A person's going to have to stop and think. And I think that this is where we have the opportunity to gain a lot of ground with people who make that justification, even though they claim the pro-life position. And oftentimes, you know, when I hear that sort of argument, inevitably in our 24-hour news cycle, I think politicians. <laughs> I mean, how many times, oh my goodness, how many times have we heard politicians really on both sides of the aisle, but but make that exact sort of claim because they don't want to disappoint or or turn away folks who um, are on both sides of the table. Wow, you you just hit the nail on the head, Jimmy G. Because the reality is is that if we are choosing not to stay, take a stance on whether or not a baby should live or die, we are being politicians with our own lives because we mm. care too much about not judging people, about not letting anyone judge us because we're pro-life, we're afraid and we're acting from a place of fear. And to be honest, we're being weak then because we're not willing to stand up for what's true, babies and women who deserve better than abortion. And especially nowadays when, oh my goodness, with, with the social media and 
uh, when, when it comes to politics, you know, one negative review or some sort of viral video or whatnot can, can spiral for someone who's really kind of um, looking forward to, you know, a big future with, I don't know, politics or being elected. Yeah, or make it more personal. You said something about abortion at a family dinner and now now everyone gives you the silent treatment at Thanksgiving or suddenly you're blocked on social media. It happens. I've experienced it. People are uncomfortable because I might bring up homosexuality, abortion, or contraception because it's uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, people do end up having respect for you standing up on your own two feet with regard to your convictions. Mm. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Hey everyone, Timory here. <laughs> we are in studio. We're having a great time. My sound engineer, Jimmy G, he's a producer behind all that we're doing here with Trending with Timory. He's interviewing me. We're doing a little get to know you episode. We're also taking on some difficult topics having to do with on the streets debates that you guys have been sharing with me and also why we're doing what we're doing here on Trending. And, you know, before we uh, jump into uh, some of the uh, more hot button issues in this last segment here, Timory, tell me, I know that you've you talked about this, but uh, share with us, you got married this year. I did. I got married uh, on the Feast of the Presentation, uh, February 2nd this year to my husband, Gabriel. Uh, we dated for some time before that. And really, uh, I was very blessed. You know, I think I'll speak to this because I know a lot of people are in that struggle, wanting to get married, uh, really maybe dating someone for a little longer than they wanted. Uh, if you are truly living, as my mom would always say, a sacramental life, you will be doing what is right. And we dated for much longer than either one of us would have wanted to. Uh, but we were very blessed to have the opportunity to grow. And I can say on my part, extra time to grow in my faith and really to serve the church. And what a gift. If you are single and you're maybe you feel alone, you're depressed, whatever it might be, you really want to get married. You don't know where to go next. Use this time to grow in your faith and use this time to serve the church. Mm, amen. Amen. So, so far, so good. So far, so good. I'm very blessed. You can pray for us. So we, what are we, uh, I think seven months right now. My sister actually got married two weeks. We got married two weeks apart. So you can pray for them as well. They just moved up to Washington. Very sad saying goodbye as we sent them off this past weekend. Probably better getting out of California. Touche, so. <laughs> touche. <laughs> All righty. Last uh, segment here in our Getting to Know You, Getting to Know Timory, very special edition of the, of the show. Timory, you talk quite a bit about gender identity and the whole topic of same-sex attraction, which has obviously so permeated our culture today. Why is it that you talk on those topics so much? Let me just say, you are no friend to pop culture if you talk about these issues. Uh, what the church teaches goes against the culture. Uh, and here's really why I started addressing these issues. Because of abortion, I saw that when we take sex and manipulate it, when we take babies out of sex and we take sex out of marriage, 
and we take you know all of these different things and pull them out well when you take those things out of marriage and out of the sexual union we now see that it's the baby who suffers but it's not just the baby who suffers it's that woman years later who is now struggling because her identity who she is is struggling she she's looking for answers because she grew up in a home with one parent she's looking for answers because she's now you know living in a society where having multiple sexual partners are is okay what I'm getting at is that seen firsthand both in front of the abortion clinic in the crisis pregnancy centers that taking sex out of the confines of marriage it's the woman and the man who hurt and this gender ideology and same-sex attraction has a whole new generation of wounds that we're just starting to see people coming out sharing their pain of what it looked like when they you know played around with sex hormones when they are engaging in top surgery bottom surgery whatever it might be we're hurting and destroying people's lives and these are people who are already wounded enough whatever their past might be and now we're saying you can't even know if you're male or female tell that to a seven-year-old who was sexually abused by a family member when they were young and then find that they're in school and you're forcing them to color coloring books about sexual acts between two people of the same sex and then you're telling them as a teacher that you're not a boy you're not a girl i'm going to refer to you as they you are confusing and hurting that child more mm. and that's why this whole sexual perversion of abortion contraception say, you know saying that same-sex activity is okay this gender ideology, it's hurting people and it's pulling them further and further away from God. They're difficult topics to talk about, no question about it, but you, it doesn't seem like we're really hearing an awful lot about these topics, though, because a lot of folks, talk show hosts on, on different sides of the aisle, they, they don't really want to touch on it necessarily because it's such a lightning rod. Are you noticing folks talking about this much? I, I think that as we, I've noticed in the Catholic realm, as certain voices are willing to talk about the injustice of abortion, the injustice and the harm of divorce on children, the injustice of hormone replacement therapy and how it's child abuse, as they speak up, we're seeing that people of faith are taking up these issues. The people who are concerned about their children are willing to speak up. And so if you're afraid, if you're nervous, or you're uncomfortable, I can tell you it's be been because of the public speakers, radio hosts in my life who've been bold and taking a stand. They've inspired me. And my question, if you're listening, is who will you inspire by being willing to talk about the most vulnerable people and the toughest issues in our culture? You're listening to a very special edition of Trending with Timory. Timory, let me ask you this. What gives you hope when responding to these difficult topics? This is a great question. I think we have to start with, for me, I would not be able to do anything I'm doing if it weren't for my faith. Because I recognize that the battle's already won. You know, Jesus Christ and coming on that cross, what does that crucifix symbolize for us? It symbolizes what the meaning of our life is. It's bloody, it's bruised, and it's beaten so that we too might enter into the kingdom of heaven. He's already conquered the devil. The gates of heaven are open. Our redemption is already cleared up. The gates of heaven are open to us. We've been redeemed, the human race has, but we are individually working out our salvation. And so I have hope because I recognize that God has given us in the church, in the sacraments, everything we need to be with him. But he's allowed because of free will, these difficult topics to mm. come up, the most painful tragedies. And if we are living a life of prayer, 
then we're able to speak out in truth and know that no matter what, you know, criticism, bad review on iTunes, whatever friendship that might falter or family member that might dislike you because of what you talk about, at the end of the day, we're called to be faithful. Hmm. And you talk about at the end of the day, when you're standing before the Lord someday, you obviously want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, as opposed to why didn't you speak out about X, Y, Z when I called you to do so? I gave you a microphone <laughs> and there you go. And the reality is, is that your microphone is your life, mm. how you live your life. And then from there, it's the conversations mm. you seek out and engage in the people that you interact with day in and day out. I just want to give you a little example of this. I, whenever I travel on airplanes, because I tend to fly a lot by myself, uh, I always bump into people. And I think it's because I don't have headphones in. Uh, I'm kind of willing to say hello to the person next to me. And sometimes it doesn't go so well. Then the person next to me like is looking straight ahead uncomfortably rather than looking straight ahead, avoiding eye contact because they didn't say hello. Uh, but I remember one time I was on the airplane and it was right around when... Um, President Obama's administration implemented that uh, all of the transgender bathrooms and it opened the mm. door for uh, field trips where boys could stay with little girls and parents wouldn't know and girls could stay with little boys and overnight accommodations, all of these scary things. And I was flying back and forth and I was able to spark conversations. I remember a gentleman next to me had a newspaper open and I looked at it and I said, hey, I said, what do you think of all of this? Because it had to do with the transgender bathroom issue. And I can't remember what he said, but he was willing to have a conversation. And I looked at him and said this, and, and this is really my answer to you about where do I find hope? Well, if you don't have faith, you're going to have a hard time navigating these issues. And that's essentially what I said to this man. I said, mm. you know what? I said, people are not willing to see essentially what is truth. And unless you have some sort of religious conviction anything goes today in this here allowing little boys and little girls to be sexually vulnerable to predators and bathrooms or sexually vulnerable to sexual experimentation with other kids and whatever it might be this has gone too far and this is a result of not being able to essentially call a spade a spade and to look at faith and human science go hand in hand Here's what's incredible about that conversation. This gentleman's wife was a teacher. Uh, she was currently, as we were sitting on that airplane, in the middle of uh, training for how they needed to use a gender-neutral pronouns in order to refer to children. Um, he was struggling with the issue. He ended up being a fallen away Catholic. Hmm. Didn't know why he wasn't going to church anymore. When I asked him, he said, I don't know. And he starts crying at one point, sharing the memory of his mother praying her rosary. And at one point... Uh, this was, I think, because of the grace of God and praying in the conversation, I looked at him. I said, why don't you go to church? And he said, oh, I mean, uh, you know, and this was prior to the recent sex abuse scandal. He said, you know, the sex abuse scandal. And I looked at him and I said very firmly, but with love, I said, that is an excuse. And it was probably one of the most bold statements I've made in a conversation with a stranger like that. But he looked at me and he kind of sat back and sat up straight and he looked at me and he goes, you're right. Right. And if we're willing to have conversations with people, we can talk about hope and hope comes from faith. Hope truly comes from faith. And we have to remember it's a theological virtue. We need to pray for God to give it to us and for God to give it to our loved ones. Well, Timory, you have a wealth of resources and uh, many, many podcast uploads. 
at radiotrending.com. So if you are a regular listener to this program, or maybe you're just kind of stumbling through and you found us here, uh, pop on over to radiotrending.com, and you always uh, enjoy getting questions from folks. Right? Oh, I love getting questions. Any topic you might have a question about, whether, you know, I've been hearing a lot about marijuana lately. We're looking at doing a show on that soon. Uh, we did a fun show. It went pretty viral on uh, what is a sex change, what's top surgery, what's bottom surgery. Maybe not friendly for young years, but we're taking topics and giving them to you because, like you said, Jimmy G, the resources aren't out there. People are afraid to speak, and if you were listening you are being called to do something with this knowledge even if it's just by the way you live your life and being open to the conversations that present themselves before you this has been trending with timory to book her to speak or learn more about her guest visit radiotrending.com that's radiotrending.com you can listen to more of trending via the podcast on itunes google play or the iHeartRadio app where you can share your favorite episodes 